0: Will the church really be raptured away before the Great Tribulation, as many believe? We'll explore that question and more today on episode 39 of Adventology, entitled The 70th Week and the Great Tribulation. Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you find answers to the big questions of life so that you can live a life of influence that ultimately impacts the world for eternity. Each week, we will explore a different chapter in the story of humanity that centers around Jesus Christ and culminates at its second coming. Whether you know Jesus already or are simply curious about what the Bible has to say about the end of the world, this podcast has something for you. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. I don't know about you, but I've always enjoyed epic movies. From the Star Wars movies from when I was a kid, to the Lord of the Rings series as I became a young adult, and everything in between. There's nothing quite like living vicariously through a character in a coming-of-age movie combined with a quest for a noble cause, especially one like the annihilation of evil from the universe. I believe these epic movies are powerful because they get at the heart of what it means to be human and our intuitive understanding of good and evil in the world. We are in fact moral agents after all. And because of that, we almost, by our very nature wrestle with our conscience over these issues of justice, power, and self-control. And it is these issues the hero must wrestle with on his journey to completing his mission. There are no easy roads on this journey. In fact, if the movie is any good, the way becomes more difficult and filled with more danger, the closer the hero gets to the end. Interestingly, the Bible echoes this same type of language in describing our spiritual journey to heaven. Notice some of these verses that come to mind. Jesus said these words, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Paul said this, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And again we come back to Jesus when he said, For then there will be great tribulation such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now these are just a few verses that I chose out of the many possibilities that were available. And so the question is, what is God trying to say to believers who read these texts? Expect the good life here on earth? Trial and tribulation are only for those living out of harmony with God's will? I think not. Just like the epic movies we all know and love, God is saying the prize he offers involves a lifetime journey fraught with danger, intrigue, and betrayal. But if we don't give up, a crown of life awaits us at the end. So where did this idea that believers are raptured before the tribulation come from anyway? From novel books and movies? And what are the implications for those who believe it? Well, to answer those questions, we have to go back to a study we began in episode 34 entitled, The Longest Time Prophecy. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend you check it out as soon as you are done listening to this episode. If you remember that episode, we began looking at a prophecy in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14 that foretold an event described as the cleansing of the sanctuary that would take place at the end of the 2300 days or years of that prophecy. Now we already discovered that the cleansing of the sanctuary was actually the end time pre Advent judgment that takes place just before Jesus comes and determines who is ultimately saved and ultimately lost. Now, what we didn't have time to figure out yet was the exact beginning and ending date of that prophecy, and to do that, we actually need to go to Daniel 9 to find the answer. Even Daniel himself didn't understand the vision in Daniel 8, after he received it. And so in Daniel 9, we see him begging and pleading with God in prayer to give him understanding of the vision. And so we pick up with him now, beginning in Daniel chapter 9, and verse 20. And it says this, Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain, of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who had seen in vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice. And He informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision." So as you can see, Gabriel has now come to provide Daniel with the missing pieces of information that were needed to understand the 2300-day prophecy and the cleansing of the sanctuary. So let's keep reading in verse 24. Notice what it says. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, in Hebrew, this text literally reads 70 weeks are cut off for your people and for your holy city. So, the obvious question is from where do these 70 weeks come from? Where are they cut off from? The 2300 days? Here we see that God is extending grace to the nation of Israel by 70 prophetic weeks, or 490 literal years. God had already punished Israel through the nation of Babylon, destroying their temple and capital, and taking the people away captive. For all these years of unfaithfulness, but now they are soon to return. God is giving them another chance to repent and prepare for the promised Messiah. We know that because Gabriel specifically mentions the Messiah in the next verse. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, the streets shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. So could this time prophecy, one that was cut off from the larger twenty three hundred day prophecy, actually be predicting the exact year? jesus would begin his ministry well one thing is for sure we are now for the first time given a starting point to the prophecy and once we figure out the date the prophecy states it would be 69 weeks or 483 years until messiah shows up so the obvious next question we need to ask is when did this decree to go and restore and rebuild jerusalem begin Interestingly, in Ezra chapter 7, we discovered this decree was actually issued by the Persian king Artaxerxes in the seventh year of his reign, and when we go back in history books, we learned the seventh year of his reign was actually 457 BC. So, it may have been Sir Isaac Newton that first arrived at the beginning date of this prophecy. Whatever the case, now it only takes simple math to arrive at the date where we can expect to see Messiah come on the scene. Adding 483 days or 483 years to the start date of 457 B.C. takes us to the year 27 A.D. Now, of course, Messiah is the Hebrew word that simply means the anointed one, and in Greek that word is translated Christ, hence Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah. Now the question is, when did Jesus become the Messiah? In other words, when was he anointed? Thankfully, the Bible tells us the exact date of his anointing in Luke chapter 3. Interestingly, it didn't take place at his birth, but at his baptism. Notice what the Bible says starting in verse 1. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Wow. So right here we see the description of the anointing of Jesus at his baptism. And the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar just so happens to be, you guessed it, 27 AD. And so this marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and it was prophesied by the prophet Daniel, which brings us to the beginning of the 70th week of the prophecy. Now, it's important to note exactly what the Bible records Jesus teaching and preaching after his baptism. Notice what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What time could he be referring to here? Could Jesus actually be referring to the time prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, the 70th week that marked the beginning of his ministry? Okay, so this is where the prophecy gets very detailed. And let's continue in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. Then he, the Messiah, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So now we already know that the beginning of the 70th week is 27 AD. And we can easily conclude through simple math that the end of the week is 34 AD. But notice what happens in the middle of the week, which would be dividing the week in half, meaning three and a half years. The Messiah, the scripture says, would bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And so this would bring us to the spring of 31 AD. Now, what could Gabriel be referring to here? How did the Messiah, Jesus, bring an end to sacrifice and offering after three and a half years of ministry? Well, of course, this is referring to Jesus' once and for all sacrifice of himself on the cross for the sins of the world forever putting an end to animal sacrifice as a way to forgiveness, as had been the case under the Old Covenant. Now, in case there was any doubt that the earthly sanctuary and all of its services became obsolete after the death of Jesus, one only needs to read Mark's Gospel to discover that in chapter 15, and verse 37, it says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and breathed his last, Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, not only did Christ die in the right year, but he died on the right day, Passover, which was the 14th day of the first month of the year of the Jewish calendar. You see, Christ, our Passover lamb, died on Passover. Okay, well, what about the last three and a half years of the prophecy? So even after Jesus had been put to death and was buried and was raised from the dead, the grace of God was still reaching out to the nation of Israel to repent and accept the risen Christ as their Savior. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had been very specific and intentional about how the preaching of the gospel was to first go to the Jews before it went to anyone else. If you remember what he said, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Jews were still to be favored, but only for a little more time, only three and a half more years until the end of the 70th week. Then the gospel was to go to the world, and sure enough, as the 70-week prophecy drew to a close in 34 AD, a significant event took place in Jerusalem. Stephen was arrested and condemned by the Sanhedrin, and through his testimony, God tried one last time to break through their hard hearts with the gospel truth, but they rejected it again once and for all and put him to death. It's recorded in Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 59. It says they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. As you can see, the 70-week prophecy is both bitter and sweet in that it predicted with precision both the year of the advent and rejection of the Messiah by the people he came to save, reminding us of the words of the Apostle John. He said, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe his name. Of course, that is the sweet part. He's given us all opportunities to accept his love, his death, on our behalf so that we could have eternal life. And the rest is history. But what about the 2300 days? Well, now we have a starting point. We just simply add the 1810 remaining days from the prophecy to the year 34 AD, and it brings us to the year 1844. Now, we're going to have more to say about that in our next episode. But now I just want to go back to that idea that's out there today, that somehow Christians in the last days won't have to experience their own epic. That rather than journeying through the great tribulation together with Jesus to victory and translation at his coming, they are instead somehow mysteriously, secretly raptured away before it all begins. Literally, mystically disappearing out of the air, leaving only their clothes and loved ones behind. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, the reason I'm connecting the rapture to the study in Daniel chapter 9 is that many in the Christian world today have taken the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy and disconnected it from the first 69 weeks. And instead of applying it to Jesus, they apply it to the Antichrist at the end times. As you can see, this is both unnecessary and destructive to the biblical text. You see, nowhere else in scripture do you find a seven-year tribulation described. Nowhere in the Bible do you find a description of a secret Second coming of Jesus. Friends, the Bible is clear that when Jesus comes, every eye will see him and that it's going to be audible. In fact, the voice of an archangel is what wakes the dead and it's going to be literal, not secret or mystical. Just as Jesus was going to heaven and lifted up from the earth after his resurrection, the angels who were with the disciples said, This same Jesus who you have seen go into heaven. Will come back in like manner as you've seen him go. So it is clear that the Bible tells us it's going to be a visible event, an audible event, a literal event. In fact, this prophecy points so unmistakably to Jesus of Nazareth as the true Messiah that Jewish rabbis later pronounced a curse upon any Jew who would study it for themselves. They said this May the bones of the hands and the bones of the fingers decay and decompose of him who turns the pages of the book of Daniel to find out the time of Daniel 9:24 through 27 and may his memory rot off the face of the earth forever wow quite the curse wouldn't you say So then why is the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy used as the basis for teaching an unbiblical and unnecessary doctrine? Well, the short answer is that people are simply afraid of anything that sounds hard in their Christian walk. And so charlatans come along telling people what they want to hear and quoting the Bible along the way. The truth is, people want to believe they won't have to go through tribulation. And they also want to believe that if they miss out on the secret rapture, they'll have a second chance to be saved. But we have to ask ourselves, did the generation in Noah's time have a second chance, those who didn't get on the ark? Did those in Sodom and Gomorrah have a second chance who didn't receive the warning? No. Unfortunately, what many don't realize when they buy into these false doctrines is that they are robbing themselves of the epic God wants for them. Jesus went to the cross to show us the way, to walk the walk with the strength he received from the Father, this same strength he wants to give to us. You see, the greatest victory also comes through overcoming the greatest obstacles. The Apostle Paul spoke of this in his finer letter to Timothy when he said in chapter 4, starting in verse 3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, and endure inflictions, and do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, clearly Paul lived his own epic because he was willing to, follow the way of Jesus. At his departure, he warns us to be careful of those who tell us what we want to hear. If we're not being challenged and disciplined by our teachers and our doctrine and are only being told and believing smooth things, then watch out. There was nothing smooth about Jesus's life. There was nothing smooth about Paul's life. But in the end, one was able to give and the other to receive the crown of life for keeping the faith and finishing the race. You may not want to hear this, but it's true. If you're on the right path, you will experience tribulation. And in the last days, you will go through difficult experiences that will test your faith and trust in God. And that's why Adventology exists, to help you on that path, to help you prepare for that day. But just like all great epics, at the last minute, your escape will come and victory will be grasped out of the jaws of defeat. Jesus said these words, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So stop looking for the get out of jail free card. It doesn't exist in the battle against self and Satan. Until the controversy has ended, we are in a war zone. Every day we live our life on a battlefield. On the cross, Jesus won the victory for us all, but he didn't take away the test. Don't buy into the wide path of an easy Christianity that the majority of Christians are on today. Now is the time to get ready for Jesus, to get ready for the tribulation, to get ready for the rejection from the ones you love as Christ was rejected by the ones he came to save. Are you living up to everything you know the Holy Spirit has convicted you through the word of God? If not, then now is the time to repent and live for truth, even if it hurts. Because if it hurts now, imagine how much more it's going to hurt later when all the powers of the darkness on this world will be trying to influence you to do the opposite of what God is saying. Friend, the prophecies of the Bible are true. The 70-week prophecy literally foretold the exact year and day that Jesus was going to die. The 2,300-day prophecy literally foretold when the final judgment was to begin. So how much more time do you think we really have here on this earth? All the signs and prophecies point to a very soon coming of Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready to leave everything in this world behind to be faithful to him before he comes, if that's what's needed? A true Christian cannot serve God in money. He also can't serve God in himself. So let me encourage you today to make that full surrender that you've been putting off. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Adventology. Our goal in this podcast is for you to be ready for Jesus. And the best way to be ready for Jesus is to spend time getting to know Him. Knowing Jesus is everything. And that is why we spent the time today studying the 70-week prophecy and the Great Tribulation. But don't just take my word for it, study it out for yourself. And for a hands-on experience, I encourage you to check out our website, adventology.com where you can get a transcript of today's episode along with any of the previous episodes we've already published. Also, if you've been blessed by this podcast, subscribe to our new Adventology YouTube channel, where we will be publishing weekly videos to educate and support you in your efforts to be ready for Jesus in all aspects of your life. All right, well, I enjoyed our time together today and look forward to seeing you back here again on our next episode of Adventology. Till then, Maranatha.